Praise the Lord. It seems like we are having a hard time getting away from the uh, divine mind of Christ, which he's given us through the impartation of the Holy Ghost. And uh, our heart's desire was to share with you the mind of old Adamic nature and the mind of the divine nature and the heart which is the love of God or the love of the old nature and its inability to reach much farther than our family and also the love of the divine nature and also the will of the old nature and it seems like we have spent quite a bit upon the new mind and what it entails and how we should recognize how far beneath the privileges that God has given us insomuch that he rescued us and give us the privilege of rising above the thinking of Adam's nature. We talked about last week, I think it was, that with the new mind and with the new capacity that God has given us, comes responsibility and number one the mind of a child of God must be fully occupied with Christ in other words every waking moment whatever we're doing in some manner or some way should be occupied with the mind of Christ this will ensure us of not walking contrary to what God desires out of us and then the word of God reveals that which will sustain us and will help us, and that is desiring the sincere milk of the word and also desiring the meat of the word. And once we have those desires inside of us, we will not be desiring the material things that the old mind, old Adam nature wants. Because the Bible fully assures us that if we will seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, he will add all of these other things to us. So actually there's not a reason for us as children of God to seek after these things, which we do so often, and in doing that then we are allowing the old Adam nature a place it doesn't belong, which is in the thinking of a Christian. So I want to read from Ephesians 6, from 10 to 12, or I believe I'll go on to 17, maybe a little bit more. For I want to call us our attention to some scriptures that we know full well. But in doing that, I want to also invite us to examine ourselves as to whether we are actually using those things which God has made available to us. The Apostle Paul is winding up his book of the Ephesians to the Ephesians, and he has talked about many things in this book, a wonderful book to read, and certainly will enhance our, our thinking and our love for God once we read that and understand it talks about a, a lot of things, but mostly it talks about the high places in Christ in which we could obtain if we walked after him. But I want to read his 
finale of that in the sixth chapter beginning at the tenth verse. And it simply says, Finally, my brethren, after everything else that he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, and you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against, dark, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparations of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, that is in addition to these, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, that ye may also know my affairs and how I do, Lycaicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you may know our affairs, and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, and he ends it with, Amen, or so be it. One of the greatest things that we need to understand that according to 1 Timothy 1.18, there is a warfare. He admonishes those people then and Timothy to admonish them war a good warfare. And then he also tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And as Paul is about to wind up his ministry, he makes this declaration, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In other words, the Apostle Paul found out early that living a Christian life was a fight always and that our eternal life in Christ depended upon how good a fight that we fought. And it is more than coming to Christ. It is more than feeling 
the goosebumps once in a while. It is more than believing that Christ has placed before us the whole armor of God. He says, put it on. And then he describes what all it protects, which was almost everything. And he made a special note to take the helmet of salvation, which was the covering for, in a sense, spiritual sense, the mind. And also other things like your loins girt about with truth, breastplate of righteousness, which is protecting the heart or the love of God for a fellow man, your feet shod with the preparations of the gospel of peace. In other words, know where you stand and know the power that you stand on. And he says, after having all of this, he said, now you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, what he's really saying is Christian individuals wrestling against flesh and blood was with ourselves. So often we think we're wrestling against somebody else out here, but we are flesh and blood. Our greatest battle is not with somebody else. Our greatest battle is with us because we are flesh and blood and we think as flesh and blood and because Christ has given us this new mind, he desires us then to war a good warfare. In other words, using what he has given us to fight this battle with. Now, you have to understand if you put on all of these things, it's not of any value if you don't put it on, and it's not of any value if you don't know how to use it. And we simply think our fight comes from the devil, which he is the instigator of it all, but personally my belief is it comes from flesh and blood, which is what we are, and how we, for the most part, as carnal Christians, live. Now, if you will notice, when Saul of, in the Bible, King Saul, if you will notice, when David was going to fight the giant, then King Saul brought him in and said, put my armor on so you can fight him. And of course, David, now a lot of people say, well, it was kind of foolish because Saul's armor would have been too big for him. But there's a lot more to that than that. Because nobody would have put an armor on a little kid that belonged to a tall man which stood heaven's shoulders above them all. But the fact of the business is David had not ever used armor and therefore he had not proved it. He wasn't right real sure of the armor. But he had proved his slingshot. And he had proved his ability to sling that slingshot. And so he naturally took that into battle which he had proven. Which he was sure of. Which he knew that it would slay a lion and a bear and he was sure with the authority of God behind him it would also slay the giant. So actually what we need to do is put on 
the whole armor of God and begin to prove it. Amen. Begin to recognize if we have it on, then we should be equipped for battle. Now most of the time we don't war enough against the flesh to prove the armor of God. In other words, when something comes along that is easy for flesh to entice us, we don't even fight it. We just submit to it. So actually there's really not a warfare there. And there's a lot of Christians, I'm going to say maybe the better part of us, actually don't know how to fight or war a good warfare. Because we haven't utilized this which the Bible has said was ours to put on. And therefore we have never warred a good warfare. We have submitted to the feelings of the flesh. We have submitted to what it wants and its desire. And then once we find ourselves in the wrong, we run real quickly to the cross of Jesus Christ and we ask forgiveness and it's there. But what God is trying to tell us is use the armor and fight against flesh and blood which is us. And we cannot do that unless we have proven the armor. Take on the whole armor of God that ye may be, we be able to withstand in the evil day and having done everything, stand therefore. How are you going to do that? He says, take on the whole armor of God. Not a portion of it, but all of it and prove this armor and war and fight a good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life so that whenever we fight, we win. We don't have to always go to the cross of Calvary because we have become with the new mind overcomers in Christ Jesus. This is what God has wanted out of His Christians once we received the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives, He wanted us to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth of the Son of God and put on the whole armor of God and win some battles. Yes. Hallelujah. Win some battles. Yes. Fight against flesh and blood. Fight against evil imagination. War against this old place with its carnality and win some battles and realize that God is coming for overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And once you falter and fall, don't lay down there. Ask God to forgive you, but stand up then and try that whole armor of God and prove it. It'll work. It'll work. Paul speaks of the defense of the mind. That's what I was talking about, the defense of the mind. 
take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit. We'll bring these others in a little bit later. But because we're talking about the mind, the old and the new, then we're warring against that. As up here, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, which is us, but against principalities. You can't do that in flesh and blood. We can't do it by ourselves. Against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the high places. There is no higher place than the mind of man. And there is where spiritual wickedness originates. And once it originates there, if it's not taken captive, well, then it will progress on. The Apostle Paul says, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What do you want to ask for? Well, I realize the prosperity message is very prevalent and it's not as much as it ever was. But whenever you think, let your requests be made known to God, why then you think about uh, asking for money and asking for a new automobile and asking uh, for just a lot of material things. But God is not interested and you asking for those because he's already said whatever you needed, he would supply if you seek the kingdom of God first. I, I've said often he said he would supply our needs, but there's not a one of us here for what he supplied our needs and also some of our wants and desires because we seek the kingdom of God. So he said, by prayer and supplication. Now, if you're praying, and if you have supplication, you're not going to ask anything amiss from God. Amen. Let your requests be made known to God. And once you ask Him for peace, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, revelations, anointing, the abilities to reach out, supplicate for mankind and those that are less fortunate than you are, and all of those things, you make those things be made known unto God, and this is His promise. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. In other words, you are not going to be able to understand how God could do this for you and how could He because you sought His kingdom first. Yeah. And His desires was that in our lives and in our heart. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. How many times when everything has gone wrong, when nothing has went right, when the world is falling apart around us, and when the enemy of our soul is everywhere, then the Bible says, don't worry about anything, but by everything by prayer 
and supplication. Make your request known unto God. Tell Him what you need. Tell Him what you uh, know that is in your life is needed. And once you tell Him that, then the peace of God that comes and you don't understand how it could be there while the world is still falling around about you. There's a peace inside of you that you cannot understand because God has placed it there because you, you have made your request known. And He'll keep your hearts and He'll keep your minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will keep your mind. Now what does this mean? The peace of God will keep your mind. As the child of God gains the Word, reads the Word, gets inside the Word and stores it in the mind. You see, that's the failure of so many Christians. We just don't read. We just don't search the Word of God. We'll pick up our Bibles maybe at meeting night or maybe at some time when we're in problems We'll search for the mysteries of God, and it's really not mysteries. And we simply do not read the Word of God. But if we read it, you say, well, I read it and I don't understand it. It doesn't matter. Read it. Store it up here. This is a complex computer, and it stores everything. And when the time comes, if you have read it, that energizing holy power of God will energize that mind and you will know what God says in that particular hour and that time. And you can use it. The knowledge we have gained will defend us in the time of temptation. A lot of people don't have the slightest idea in the Bible where to go when they're tempted. In a time of discouragement, there's scriptures from Genesis to Revelation that deal with every complex problem of man, but we, for the most part, don't know them. A time of testing. Oh, the devil's been after me all day, bless his holy name. So often, so time, we are blaming our problems on our arch enemy, who is, in a sense, begin this. But our problem is not him. Our problem, spirit-filled individual's problem, is with us. Oh, human flesh that wants to dominate our thinking and dominate our life. And we should be above that. Amen. We ought to reach into the heavens. We should have energized this new mind of ours given us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And in a time of doubt, oh, bless God, as a Christian, you shouldn't doubt. Oh, yes, you should. 
You can't get any answers unless you're in a doubting mood. Can I call you attention to one of the greatest doubters in history? And that was Doubting Thomas. Now did Jesus blame him that much for that? No. That wasn't a good idea. He should have believed. But Thomas said, there's so much in this world. There's so many things that's went on and cluttered the mind. And Thomas said, except I can put my hands in his nail-scarred hands and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus could have just said, Well, if that's the only way you'll believe, forget it. But Jesus, then knowing that He wanted to be absolutely sure of who He was believing in, appeared unto Him and said, Thomas, feel the nail prints in my hands and feel them in my feet and thrust your hand in my side, Thomas, and believe. Hallelujah. If we could just do that and reach Him and touch Him and understand Him, then He would answer our doubts and fears. You see, we can see the relationship between knowledge and faith. Romans Paul writes to them in 10.17, says, Though then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And then it goes on to say, But how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except he be sent? All of these working together from the ground floor up introduces a relationship between knowledge and faith. Some people say, well, I've got all the faith in the world. I'm glad you have, but if you don't cover that with knowledge, if you are so super sane and supernatural that you don't believe you need a minister. That God will just talk to you individually and tell you everything you know. You are going against the Scriptures. Nobody chooses their office. If they do, they're dead wrong. These are callings of God placed upon individuals just like you are but with a calling out. And you dare not refuse your calling. You see, we can't believe on something we have not heard. Now then, I'm going to stop here long enough to say, who is responsible for saints of God hearing? You're shaking your head, do you know? Ministry. 
whatever we are, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and if people don't hear it, how can they believe in it? And so we have danced around our golden calf for so long and enjoyed the presence of the blood of Jesus Christ and ministered the baptism in His name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost until we have forgotten the deeper things of God that rears saints of God and feeds their hungry and thirsty souls. And someplace, sometime, we'll be called into question that we have not sought Him, searched the Word of God, understood, and gave it to people. We are not responsible after it's handed out to you. We are not responsible after that. That's your baby. But to get it out there to you, You see, we can't believe in something we're ignorant of. So if we're ignorant of these things, we can't trust God in a time of testing unless we know Him. When the child of God and all of us have and will again is brought into some trying experience, the truth of God that has been revealed through the Word of God to His new mind, letting Him know He has one, letting Him know it's a warfare, and when this is revealed by the Word of God to Him, that new mind will sustain Him. Because you're thinking godly thoughts. That new mind will defend you because you're thinking toward God. That new mind will protect you and uphold you because you are moving in the anointing of this divine nature that God has placed within us to defeat the powers of hell. Many a child of God has walked confidently into a valley of dark shadows with the Word of God on their lips. Why? Because they were aware that this is not always a fun thing. They are aware that there's powers out there. They are aware of grief and loneliness and divisions. And they are aware of things that come upon their minds that they don't understand. But when they walk through those, whether it's theirs, or they're walking with somebody else, oh, saints, did you ever stop to think that you don't just supposed to walk through this dark valley of your own? Did you understand that as a body of Christ, you're supposed to walk every dark valley someplace with a child of God, which is in the house of God. You're to walk with them through that. And you walk into that 
where the word of God upon your lips because the word sustains you and defends you with this divine nature of God. If you walk in it, just depending on that power that was you filled you with the Holy Ghost some years ago, and you have not allowed that power within you to bring you into the Word of God, and you search that Word of God and anchor your soul won't be enough. You can speak in tongues from now till Christ comes and it won't be enough. You can dance down the aisles as long as you want to and it won't be enough. What is enough is towing the divine Word of God in the divine nature of God and let that walk you through every trial and every temptation and every evil. Not enough to have it. Prove it. Prove it. Fight. A minute. Some little something comes to your carnal mind. Don't grab that. We had one poor old dear brother at church we pastored. And he was always saying, just, just listen to that little voice. Just listen to that little voice. And what he did not understand as there's three little voices. All of them sound almost alike. There's the little voice of this old fleshly Adamic nature. There's that little voice of the enemy that sounds just exactly sometime except to this new mind. With the old mind they sound just but with this new mind. The Bible says, My sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. How many times have I used this one thing with natural sheep that I want to use it again? Dad farmed some of Mr. Sisson's ground in the hills of Dogtown. And he raised a few sheep, four or five. He had all of them named. Every one of them. He named them. And whenever he said something to them, or well, then they'd follow him. And sometimes you just have to say, come on, babies, let's go. I thought, hey, that sounds, that sounds easy. He said, yeah, I'll sure try it. So I learned some of their names, and finally that wouldn't work. And I said, come on, babies, let's go. And I started walking, and they just stood. The voice of a stranger. I was a stranger to them. But Mr. Sisson just simply says, come on, babies, let's go. And he starts walking, and they just follow. I think God is saying that sometimes. Come on, children, let's go. Let's go. Where are we going? We're going into the kingdom of God and we want to take as many individuals as we can into the kingdom of God and let them hear the voice so that they won't follow a stranger. 
there's a lot of strangers out here. Okay? So that is why you don't you don't you don't go by name calling. When Peter was delivered from prison, and they was praying for his deliverance. And he was delivered and he walks up to that uh, door and he knocks on the door and they say, Who is it? Who is it? They recognized not who he said he was. Anybody could have said it's Peter. But he said it's Peter. Not that that mattered. It was his voice that mattered. And somebody can say all they want to, and they're going to do it shortly. This is Jesus. And you've been looking for all this time. I've brought peace on the earth. I have solved all your problems. And all gullible Christian individuals that don't have and follow the new mind and don't know how to war against it will just follow after it. But you and I who are filled with His Spirit and have this new mind will not follow Him because He will be a voice of a stranger. And then when Jesus comes, He'll say, Come up higher and we'll know it's Him and we'll go because we know His voice. We know His voice. We know His voice. We love His voice. We're used to His voice. But if you're not used to it now, and you don't get used to it, you won't know it then either. Amen. We find a new mind has been set free from the dominion of the old mind. In other words, you don't have to follow after it, okay? That's not saying you won't. Before, you didn't have a choice. Now, with this new nature and this new mind, you have been set free from its dominion. It was ruler. Because we lost that in Adam. But we regained it in Jesus Christ. It was more than just the cross. It was more than just burial. It was more than just resurrection. It was Jesus Christ delivering us from the bondage of the old Adamic nature. This last man Adam. Jesus Christ and what the first man Adam could not do. The last man, Adam, bought us, bought us back again. And the enemy is doomed. He's got his time coming. Second Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a Sound, sound mind. That sound mind is the new mind. The new nature, it's sound, it's solid, 
It never goes here or there or someplace else. It's solid. It's sound. Judgments are sound. Things that we're supposed to know is sound based on solidity. Soundness means that the new mind can function the way God gave it to us to function at creation. And that's knowing God, having fellowship with Him. Fifty years soon in the ministry, I've never had as much fellowship with God than I've had over the past few years. Walking with Him. Talking with Him. Little things that seem to be so complex. The brightness of God's shining down upon this Word of God comes in light tonight. And what was once hid is opened. And it has been so simple. And God has allowed me to peep in behind the mysteries of all these things had cloud man's mind and allowed me to see some things. But there's still much more that I need to see. With a new mind, Paul says, I myself serve the law of God. There is a law of sin and a law of flesh. Paul was lamenting that when he said, The things that I would that I do not, and the things that I would not that do that I, I, I would not do that I do. It is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. What he was saying is, I'm in a battle. There is war going on here. I have been given a new mind to think the way Christ wants me to think. My old mind is simply desiring to comfort. And then while he says, when he ends it up, what was it he said? I, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Where is deliverance from this old man? And then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Deliverance has come. Fellowship with God. Reception of divine truth. The enjoyment of walking with God. Because we have come to know Him. And there is possibilities to everyone. And as a new creature in Christ Jesus. And finally. We find in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5 some very good words concerning the new mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Somebody said, I can't help my thinking on this. And the Apostle Paul do that. And he said, now then, 
every thought that is unlike every thought that comes from the own nature take it captive don't let it go any further than a, a thought cast it down by the new mind that is in you evil thoughts the enemy is going to flesh flash those things through your mind because you are still human. You are still with natural man with all of its lust of the flesh and you still have two minds. The mind of carnal man and the mind of God. And when he flashes, flashes some ungodly thing, Paul says, now then, you just Utilize what God has given you and take it captive through the obedience of God. Obeying God. Casting down imaginations means thoughts that come through the old mind. Every high thing means every manifestation of the old mind. We are to bring into subjection every manifestation of the mind with its sin, licentiousness, greed, enmity, and corruption. We know that man himself cannot do this. We are aware that is only when the Spirit of God can restrain the outbreak of this evil nature within us all. Comes and restrains it and keeps it. But again... God has charged us with the responsibility of bringing our thoughts into captivity and bring them under subjection to Jesus Christ. Notice again freedom of choice. Before we had no freedom of choice, now we do. Our minds dart so rapidly from first one thing to another. We're surrounded today with so much stimuli to the old mind with its billboards and newspapers and magazines and television, conversations overheard as we pass all of us. All of us experience countless appeals to this old fleshly mind. Everything to appeal to. It's appealing to our young people. It's telling them that you've got all your life ahead of you. Sister Beulah's testimony reminds us that as many people die young as those that die old. We don't have any promise of tomorrow. And my question would be, where would you be? Should the death angel snatch you out in a moment? Rather than that, to parents, what share of that responsibility would you share by your continually walking after the carnal mind and doing things that is unseemly and working and walking so selfishly? Did you ever notice 
used to be. You've had all of this stuff on television and all this nudity and stuff like that. But did you notice you can't even get an ad? They show a half-naked woman talking about buying a car. Anything that would take the mind and cause it to look. Now, don't tell me that you don't bother with that. Different things, different ways, appeals to this old sensuous evil nature of ours. But if we're not careful, allow God with this nutrient. God says in closing, those thoughts are not to be restrained or harbored, but every thought is to be subjected to the authority of Christ in order that we might manifest Jesus Christ through this mind. It is of utmost importance that it is not the heart that is the primary receptacle and repository of divine truth. It is the mind. That's where it comes first. And if our mind is so cluttered with manifestations of the old mind that the new mind cannot manifest itself, we will continue in carnality. We will be ignorant of divine truth. And even though born into the family of God, we will continue to stumble and totter. And we will be babes in Christ until we let the mind of Christ control us. It is not so much, and I'm closing, it is not so much that perhaps we might fail to enter into the kingdom of God. What the problem is, is how the carnal mind has dwarfed our ability to represent Christ in this lost and dying world. We were chosen according to the pastor's message last Sunday night. We were chosen for the explicit purpose of being witnesses. And of course, Witnesses, as well as testimonies, are not standing up in church. And although that's good, I don't have anything wrong with that. But that is not witnessing. We witness to one another. And that's great and good because most of us have our problems and troubles and we need to hear what somebody else has done. But our big vineyard is out there for people looking and it might surprise you to know that when you become a member of this church this town become your vineyard